This is In The Moment. I am your host, Mohamed Ramadan, owner and founder of Ramadan & Associates, a Chicago-based law firm focusing on business and personal injury law. Listen in as we discuss everyday legal topics, a legal podcast made for everyday people, not just lawyers. What's up, everyone? This is In The Moment. I am your host, Mo Ramadan. Um, And today we're going to get into our annual 2020 review. So I decided to bring in my executive producer, Late Saud, to discuss uh, the many happenings of 2020. And we got a good two-hour special. A lot has happened in 2020, so we thought we'd do a nice, cool two-hour special. So I brought in Late. Late, welcome to the show again. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. We have quite a year to discuss. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to discuss in 2020. Uh, This year felt like it was a whole decade. Um, I know everyone is expecting us to talk about COVID. And of course, we can't talk about 2020 without COVID. But I think you and I wanted to talk about something first that really, I think, affected us more than anything this year. The death of Kobe Bean Bryant. Um, The sad, tragic Death of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. yeah, man. I don't even know where to start with this one. Um, I'll volley this one up to you to start. Um, and and just, um, yeah, man, well, I, I well, just don't even know where to go with this okay. one. Okay, so there's there's a couple things that I'd like to address. The first is the death of Kobe Bryant's one of those things that you'll always remember where you were when you heard it, right? So I was at home writing, and I get a text from my brother. Kobe died. And I read it like three times. But the first thing is, you know exactly what Kobe he's talking about. Right. You don't got to say Kobe Bryant. Correct. Right? It was a little unbelievable to me. And I threw on the television. I was looking, you know, for the news of it. And it took a little more time for news to confirm it than from what my brother told me. I mean, it was 20 minutes, half an right. hour. So I didn't want to believe it. I was in disbelief. I really was. And it's not that I'm a Lakers fan. Not... You know, I mean, sure, I was always, I always admired Kobe Bryant and to some extent was a fan, but it's not like a rabid fan or anything. But I did not want to believe it. I did not want it to be true. And when it turned out to be true, I was really hurt by it. I mean, like my my eyes watered over it, you know, and I was glued to the television for two days. And, you know, why I felt that much, part of it is we're about the exact same age, Kobe and I. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, he was a father of daughters. Yeah. As am I, as am you. Correct. Right? Uh, as are you, rather. And, he, you know, and this gets to the other point that I wanted to make. When Kobe was playing, he was a polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. Especially early in his career. Yeah, he wasn't beloved. No. There was controversy in his career mm-hmm. on and off the court. But after his playing years, he really emerged into a beloved figure. Mm-hmm. Culturally, he was he was so articulate and mm-hmm. intelligent, you know? Uh, and it just it was just really such a tragic loss because I think all of his best years were ahead of him, even though he was this incredible Hall of Fame basketball player. I right? agree with you 100%. <clears throat> that was one of the biggest things for me. The biggest thing was the, uh, the daughter thing, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, but yeah, you hit, the, hit it on the head for me because... I was so excited to see what Kobe's going to do post-career. And you can tell he's building it up. He won an Oscar um, for his documentary. And Kobe was um, always the articulate, very smart, very thoughtful, very well-spoken. And one thing that I think goes missing is how much 
current players loved Kobe. Mm -hmm. And what that told me was Kobe went out of his way to help some of these younger guys, which, um, you know, you can't say that about all the greats, but you had players, young guys who were playing against him who were just admiring Kobe. Oh, my God, I'm playing with Kobe. Oh, my God, Kobe texted me and said, hey, keep working out or, you know, and, and just... His smile, his you know, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he he was L.A. Right. And if you think about it, he always played for L.A. He was uh, he was drafted Lakers. by someone else, but he never wore their jersey on the court. Right. And, you, and you're talking about an organization that has how many top ten all-time players, right, and right. Kobe's the face of that. Yeah, right. Just to show you how much L.A. Yeah. you know loved this guy. So same as you, I was sitting at home, and you know, I got a text and. And I don't remember if it was a friend or my brother, and, and I'm like, I'm like, come on, Kobe? I'm like, what are you talking about? Kobe's dead. And then I thought, I'm like, there's no way they're joking about this. So I, I same as you, news wasn't confirming it. So I did what I always do. I went to TMZ, right? And I was right. like, I know TMZ is not going to get this wrong. They, and they, this is L.A. Right. So if there's anybody that's going to have this scoop and confirm it, um, it is TMZ. And then I, I think TMZ was the first to, to confirm it. And my heart dropped. And and I think part of it is he was young. How it happened was very tragic. And then when you found out his daughter Gigi was with him, yeah, that's when I really it, it took it to a whole new level of of devastation. Big time. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch any of the ceremony. I couldn't do it. I did not watch. I watched a couple clips. I watched uh, the memorial and the Staples memorial. Center. I did not watch it till today. You didn't I watch watched. MJ's tribute. To I Cody watched there? a clip, and I watched a clip of Shaq. Yeah. I started to watch his wife, and I turned it off. Yeah, I the actual when it was live, I did not watch it. I couldn't handle it. You, oh, you got to watch that MJ tribute. I did. So I did yeah, that. Yeah, I okay. did watch. Um, so I watched the MJ one again. I watched just the clip of that, and I did watch Shaq. Um, but I couldn't do it, man. It yeah. was that brutal for me. Where yeah. I was just so drained and just. You know, this was a world reaction, and I've mm-hmm. seen somewhere I think in the Philippines where they did this big mural for him, and you know, China and Middle East, and you know, there's very, very few athletes that I think would have got that kind of—I don't want to say reception, but that that reaction. Uh, there's very few athletes in the world that I think would have got that reaction, and and I think it is a combination of you know the tragedy of it, how it happened, but I think Kobe was really turning a corner because like you said early in his career he had this perception and i think he really started to to turn the corner and people are like damn we really like this guy Mm -hmm. he's gonna really do some cool shit and i think he's really getting into the 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 movies and just la and and i was really excited to see what is a guy whose whole life has been waking up early and working out workout workout and play and workout his entire life is competitive what is he going to do when he retires? And I was really excited to see what does a guy post-career who's that competitive do after his career? And I was just so bummed out about that. And then again, you know, I had my one daughter at the time. I just had my other daughter. So I am a girl dad. And Kobe really started this girl dad thing. Um, and what I loved about Kobe is, yeah, I have all girls and I love every second of it. And most of these machismo guys always want a guy to, you know, take their legacy on and whatever it is. And and I'm not one to care for legacy. And I really love that Kobe didn't shy away from the girl dad thing. So that that was a very personal thing for me. So, well, what happens is, I mean, I'm a girl dad. I have one daughter. You're a girl dad. You got two daughters. My brother's a girl dad. He's got two daughters. 
And one of the things that happens with all of us is, um, A, girls just wrap you around their finger in a yeah. way that I don't think sons can. 100%. <laughs> and uh, uh, B, we kind of insist, you know, once we have those daughters, oh, they're going to have every opportunity that a yes. man's going to have. 100%. Okay? They're going to get all the attention and they're going to be imparted with all the drive and ambition that a man's going to have. Correct. Uh, you know, and that's one of those things, those nuances of life that I think are often overlooked mm-hmm. and uh, not often appreciated enough. Mm-hmm. That there's there's a lot of good dads out there when it comes to their daughters because once they have a daughter, yeah, they're going to do anything for them. Yes. Right? And the fact that he embodied that and he was a model of that, an example of that, it was great. It was really, really great. And again... It, it just it kind of, it, you know, I'm at a loss of words to describe it now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not something that I've been thinking about because this whole year has been packed with so many right. things to think about. But that Kobe death stuck with me for a long time. I mean. Still is. I, I was on Instagram the other day and um, I don't remember it was NBA or one of their pages and they had this Kobe thing. I couldn't watch it, man. It's still raw for me. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge Kobe fan in the beginning of his career, but. I, he really grew on me, and, and I think the older I got and, you know, the harder I started working at, at my career. And, you know, he really set an example of just bust your ass and, and, it, and it will come. And, and I really, really liked Kobe, especially in the new era of NBA. I, I felt like the players, a little too kind of, I don't hate to use the word soft. I know that kind of gets overplayed, but he didn't want to be your friend. You know, and and, and, a, and a lot of us older NBA fans remember the Knicks Bulls, right? Right. We remember the 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 Celtics Lakers was brutal, right? And Kobe wanted to not only eat your heart out, he wanted to eat it, spit it out, and spit in your right. face, and remind you that I'm Kobe fucking. There Bryant. was there was no fist bumping the enemy. No, there was none of showing that. showing everybody on Instagram that you're buddies with everybody. All Star Game, cool. sure, but he yeah, still yeah, wanted to beat yeah, you at the All Star yeah, Game right, too, right. right? No, Kobe. Carried on that legacy, of course, inspired by Michael Jordan, okay? That to pursue excellence means that you have to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. You have to be merciless. And I'm going to destroy my enemies. And when you were on the court with him, you were his enemy. Mm-hmm. And there is something to celebrate about that. Yeah. You know, that kind of determination. And it is old school. And I think maybe this can, we can extrapolate this into the rest of sports, when we see people from two teams smiling with each other, high-fiving each other, this and that, as a fan, when you pay tickets for your team, you don't want to see it. Right. Say, What's going on mm-hmm. out there? I want to win. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he exemplified that. Yeah. You know, he really, truly exemplified that. And he also exemplified the fact that if you put your mind to something, you can achieve it. Mm-hmm. And you know, although he was gifted with all these natural talents, of course, I mean, it's in his genes. His right. dad was a basketball player. He wanted to emulate the greatest basketball player that ever lived, Michael Jordan. And no one came as close as Kobe Bryant did. No, and, and that bothered a lot of us, I think, initially. <clears throat> um, and, you know, that I guess, I don't want to say that was my one knock against him. I, I think he tried a little too much to be MJ. Um, but um, he just had a certain aura about him that it's very hard to explain. But he's a, he was a modern man. Yes. And... Yes. And he just, again, it's just his, his smile. And, you know, people forget Kobe spoke six languages, right? Yeah. He, he, was, a, he was a traveled uh, right. uh, man, per se. And, 
you know, so... He would he, communicate with Gasol in Spanish. Yes. Yeah, during 100%, games. 100%. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we're so used to a lot of these players coming from the inner city and not going to college or, you know, going to college for one year. And, you know, you hear them in interviews, you're like, oh, shit. You know, like, okay, get them off the mic. When Kobe's on, you just want to keep listening to him. And it just felt like that yeah. really cool yeah. uncle who has been around, who has wisdom. Um, and again, I, it's, I'm really bummed because I was so looking forward to his post NBA career. Um, and it just, it's just like, damn. And I, and I think being so young and then how it happened. And, and I also kind of feel bad for the others that were in the helicopter, you know, that naturally, I don't know they didn't, of course, naturally. Yeah, yeah, they didn't really get, I don't want to say they didn't get the attention, but you know, I, I'm sorry. I mean, it's Kobe. Everybody knows Kobe. Nobody knew the other people in there. And I'm well, that's one to way to look crude. at it. The other way to look at it is we never would have known anything about them had Correct. Kobe not been on that helicopter. Correct. But the the thing is, for however we feel about it here in Chicago, and, and we are recording here in Chicago, um, the feeling in L.A. was exponentially more intense. Right. So I was in L.A. this summer taking my daughter to L.A. for college, mm-hmm. And I was in an Uber, and we were passing through the Calabasas Hills. Mm. And I look up, wow. and I said, and I pointed, and I said, didn't Kobe's uh, helicopter go down right around here? And how animated the Uber driver became, wow. how passionate he became to talk about it. And he starts talking, going into it about what that day was like, what that week was like. And, you know, it affected L.A. in a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this interesting question. Does his death elevate his ranking with all time do you think it affects Uh, it does he get bumped up a few levels i feel he does and you know kobe's not a top five for me and i get in trouble for this he's a top tenner all time for me yeah Uh, you should get top 12 yeah um (laughs) he's a top 10 top 12 guy i I do think lebron is better i'm sorry guys i know i'm gonna get a lot of shit for that um but do you think he's gonna you know it's kind of like the tupac and biggie thing right Biggie didn't have time to make a shitty album, right? So we only know his two great yeah, albums. Right. He didn't have time well, to make a Well, that's not a debate for me either. Biggie's not Tupac. He's but, not. But, but Tupac was always the greater artist. But yeah. the, the argument for some people against Biggie is he didn't have enough time to make a shitty album. Yeah. He only made two albums. So I guess my point w- with Kobe is even though his career ended, I kind of feel there's a sympathy factor where people are going to bump him up on the all-time list. Do you okay. agree? First, yes. And I got to digress just a second. Biggie was 24 when he was shot and killed. Tupac was 25 when he was shot and killed. Look at the body of work between two men who are roughly the same age. Correct. Biggie put out two albums. What did, two, what did Pac put out? Five? Some, love, I mean, love, yeah. he had an incredible body of work. He was the greater lyricist. He was definitely the more insightful man. He possessed the third eye. God knows what Tupac could have done if he had, you know. Whereas Biggie was never going to grow much beyond the. Well, Biggie's death elevated him in, in. It did. And I don't mean to. Yeah. That's, just, that's it, what I meant. It, it, it came up and yeah. I had to address it. Anyways, so. Okay. So, A, it elevates him in the eyes of many. But, B, you have to return to the question as to why isn't Kobe more routinely regarded as up in that conversation than over LeBron, okay? So that's part of this debate. I mean, I hear Allen Iverson say this all the time when they say, hey, man, who's better, LeBron or Michael? He's like, well, Michael Jordan, but I don't understand why we skip over Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant had five championships. He won them with one team. He won them 
with basically multiple regimes, multiple players around him, things like that, but he stuck it out with one team. Whereas LeBron, you can make the, the argument that he moved to teams where they were a piece away from winning. Maybe this LA team, well, of course, they piece brought in. Piece away is a stretch. But. It is, but they brought in AD, you know, and then, so he moved he on. He brought in AD. Right. So he moved mm-hmm. on to these superstar teams. He wins championships. He's lost far more in the finals than he's won. And Kobe's won five rings. And, and, and then when it comes to his style, when it comes to his but Does his Kobe killer dominate instinct, his era? Tim Duncan will tell you no. Uh, LeBron unquestionably has dominated his era without a shred of doubt. It's not even close. I think Tim Duncan has an argument. And Kobe's had some 500 seasons. He's had some shitty playoff he's performances. Also, he's also been on some really bad teams, you know, but he, he stuck it out with that one team. He's also had Shaq in his prime. That was Shaq's team. I'm sorry. Those first three were Shaq's You team. can't deny it. So okay. that's why he slips out of my top five for me personally. I, I think – so I personally love Kobe more than LeBron, but mm-hmm. my objective hat will tell me LeBron is number two all time. I, look, I, when you look at the stats and the things that LeBron has accomplished, they're incredible. In mean, 16 years, he's still putting up a triple-double. Yeah, I mean, the guy like damn near averages triple-doubles, right? At 16 years in the And, uh, you know, the way he brings in the whole team, the way he gets the team involved, his basketball IQ, all of the above. But, again, as amateur observers of the game, and that's what we are, mm-hmm. okay? We're not basketball coaches. Right, right. We didn't... You played a more ball, I think. But we're still to, fans. Right, right, we're just fans. When we watched Michael Jordan play his kids, when that guy decided to take over the game. It's game over. Game over. Chicago fans, we knew we were never going to Okay? Notice. You knew that when this man made a decision to win, he was going to will his team to win. We saw that with Kobe Bryant, too. The only person who possessed that kind of will was Kobe Bryant. After MJ, there's been times where those of us who are fans watch LeBron and we say, man, he kind of gave up. And I think this has a lot to do with that discussion, you know, because when they compare LeBron to Jordan, that's what comes up. Does he have that killer instinct? Kobe did. But to bring it back to your original question, I think that for overall, a man who was forgotten in the conversation of top five was elevated back into that conversation because of his death. I, I, so to answer your question, yes. Okay. It did happen. I do think so yeah. too. I think there was going to be a little bit of sympathy, which, you know, I'm not knocking it. And I just think, and in, 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 in this applies to music and movies and, and sports, when someone dies at their peak, I think we forget their blemishes. Right. And we highlight. And it's a human thing, right? I mean, someone's dead. You don't really want to... You know, do we want to trash Kobe for that case? No, nobody. If you bring that case up right now in front of any NBA mm-hmm. fan, they'll right. spit in your face. Right. Right. That's how much it's like, dude, you can't talk about Kobe yeah. like that. So I think he. And for he, the most part, it wasn't. What, what do you mean? The the off the court problems, for the most part, were not talked about. And the few people who oh, brought no. it up. Gosh. Gail King. I think Gail King brought it up. Yeah. Which I agree. The timing was not right for And, that. you know, she got trashed. And he's not a politician. You know, yeah. so I, I think there's a time and a place for that. Um, but, again, yeah, when, when yeah. someone, when he was alive, it was okay to bring up that case. And people would, even NBA fans would joke about it. But the other thing is, he got past it. He did. You know, he got past it. I mean, I think it was part of the things that contributed 
to the ambivalent nature of his reputation while he was a player. But after, and especially with the girl dad, Mm -hmm. he got past it. I mean, nobody was talking about it. You know, when he won an Oscar and things like that, nobody was talking about it. And he won an Oscar in the height of Me Too. Yeah. And nobody talked about it, right? And... You know, uh, it was a sign of the progress he had made as a human being and the reputation he had restored amongst the public Mm -hmm. and how much he was respected. I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next point. What I think a lot of us tend to forget, Kobe came in at 18, Mm -hmm. I think he was. These guys are literally growing up in front of us, right? right? So imagine, and we talk about this off uh, uh, the mic, the shit that we did at 18, 19, 20, 21. Imagine if we had a camera on us. At that age. I don't know what you're talking about. I was an angel. (laughs) (laughs) We would get an X rating if we talked about, you know. I always pay my taxes on time. (laughs) I always uh, follow the speed limit. But it's not fair to these guys that, you know, they get no benefit of doubt for the fact that you're growing up in front of the entire world. You're going to fuck up a little bit. Right. Now, again, I'm not condoning rape. I'm not, you know, I I don't even really know exactly what happened. But it, it, from a general overall perspective. What we're talking about is the perception of these things that were associated with him. Correct. That are unseemly, right? What I loved about the Kobe <clears throat> thing, and for me, because we are similar age, I loved watching his growth because I was kind of hitting those personal growth spurts around the same time he was. He was a different guy the moment he was retiring than he was 10 years prior to that. Um, so I really think that um, his growth really in the age kind of similarity really um, kind of resonated with me. Now, I know we can talk about Kobe forever. We're, we're both huge Kobe fans, um, but we do have to talk about uh, in our annual 2020 review. We can't talk about it without talking about Trump and COVID. And I know it's a crazy transition, but Kobe kind of started the shitty year and then COVID came and just dumped more piles of shit on top of that. And, and that's think, how everybody felt. Yeah. You know, the Kobe thing was just like, our year's done. Right. And mm-hmm. then COVID came like, oh, really? Hold my beer. You know, and yeah. it was kind of one of those moments. But there's a million ways to talk about um, COVID, but y- you made this point to me. We can't talk about COVID without talking about Trump. Um, right. And you, we're, we're going to have this little fun back and forth. You're going to take the position that COVID was not Trump's fault. Correct. Yes. And I'm going to have fun with this and say it was his fault. So I'm going to give you the, 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 the first shot at this. Why do you say COVID was not Trump's fault? Okay. Now I've had this debate with dozens and dozens of people over the past year, right? And because I live in Chicago, I have friends across the political spectrum. I have friends who I do not agree with politically, and we're still good friends. So one of the things I recommend to all the listeners out there is diversify your friends a little bit. Mm -hmm. Don't live in an echo chamber. That being said, when I'm talking to most of my friends in Chicago, and they tend to lean towards the left, I mean, they get rabid nuts if I say, well, I don't think that COVID was Donald Trump's fault. Now, here's why I don't think so. Donald Trump didn't make COVID in the lab, okay? As far as we can tell and all the evidence shows or there's nothing evidence to contradict, it came from China. 
is a naturally occurring virus. I don't know how we blame any particular human being for a naturally occurring virus, whether it came out of a lab or not. I don't know. Still, it wasn't his lab. Right. Okay. So to extend the benefit of doubt to the Chinese, let's assume that it was just a naturally occurring thing, came out mm-hmm. of a wet market. He, I mean, there's so many moments here. We need to break this down into manageable moments because we have to remember the moments. So there starts to be an inkling that there could be a problem coming out of China. Donald Trump says, okay, I'm going to ban travel from China. Racist. He was accused of being racist. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Then the next step he took was to ban travel between here and Europe. Then he was accused of being sensationalist, yeah. right? Going a step too far. And you had Democrats actively going to the public and undermining these actions by calling him either a racist in the case of China or calling him a sensationalist who's acting too extreme, too quickly, impulsive, impetuous, whatever you want to call it, when it came to Europe, right? The man could not win, mm-hmm. all right? So then he takes on this position that I don't want to shut down the economy because of this. Now, according to some metrics, I don't know how accurate those metrics are. I don't know how much they reflect the actual economy. But according to some metrics, man, the economy was booming in February. Okay? So the way Trump is looking at it, I don't want to shut down this economy in an election year. So he takes on this machismo attitude of masks, which probably was not helpful. The one thing I would hold against him is, dude, put on the fucking mask. Mm -hmm. All right? Don't die on this hell. Okay, but he wanted to act like he was tough. He wanted to act like masks are for pussies or something like that. And then they were able to hang their hat on that. Okay, he could not have produced a vaccine any faster than a vaccine was produced this year. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden will ride that vaccine early Mm -hmm. into next year to revive the economy. Okay, Joe Biden has offered no plan that substantially differentiates itself from Trump. Right. And there's the other thing about legal procedure and bureaucratic obstacles. As president, you can't order the states to shut down or open up. We still live in a federal federal country. So a lot of these states had relative autonomy in the way they could decide to approach this. And every time I talk to somebody who wants to blame Trump, right, I always ask them, well, how would Hillary Clinton have done it differently? And I hear the same thing. Testing. We would have had more testing. We need more testing. I don't understand how that solves the problem. Mm -hmm. I I really don't. Somebody needs to sit me down. I guess maybe I I don't possess the brilliance and intellect to understand it. But somebody needs to sit me down and explain it to me. So let me give you two examples as to why I find that whole premise problematic. The more people that you... Let me put it at you this way. If you can be tested for COVID and have a positive result, and have a positive result and be either A, asymptomatic, B, mildly symptomatic, C, more seriously symptomatic, or D, hospital-worthy symptomatic. If a positive COVID test can result in any one of those four things or any variation in between, a positive COVID test doesn't really mean much to me. It doesn't tell me what, you know, what this really means, what the implications are. And since we don't have a standard way of approaching that and no wise way of approaching that, it doesn't really mean much if you get a positive test. So, okay, I got a positive. I'm positive for COVID. Do I go to the hospital? No, they'll tell you, don't go. Do you have any symptoms or anything? No, I don't. Well, then just stay home. 
well, aren't we kind of staying home anyway? Mm-hmm. Okay, like it, it, it doesn't lead to a path of clarity for me, the more testing. The second thing is just this past Thanksgiving, uh, I went to see my parents. I'm on the record saying it, mm-hmm. okay? I haven't seen my parents in nearly a year. And I was not going to have them home alone for Thanksgiving. My daughter came home from college, from California. We quarantined first. Then we took a COVID test before we went, right? So a friend of mine, he says, Laith, go online. You can order these COVID test packets. And uh, they'll send them to you. And then, you know, you do it. And then you right, send it back. And it's it actually free. I said, okay, fantastic. So I went to LabCorp. Okay. This was my experience. I, I, I could say what company it was, right? This is literally what happened. So I went to LabCorp, and they asked me to fill out a survey. And a couple of the questions on the survey that popped out to me that were important was, have you been exposed to anybody with COVID? I said, yes. Somebody very close to me, sister, had COVID, and I had been happened to been around them. Mm-hmm. And they tested positive. Now, I didn't feel anything. I didn't get sick or anything, but I had to answer the question honestly. So I said, yes. Then they say, are you a high risk? Okay. What's a high risk person? Uh, you know, they got a bunch of, uh, check boxes, high blood pressure. Well, I'm an Arab man. (laughs) So you know, I have high blood pressure, right? Uh, so I click yes. Okay. Sorry. You don't qualify for a COVID test. What? Okay. What, what would qualify me for a COVID test? I mean, just a lot of it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But the thing I really want to say is I thought we lived in a capitalist society where the market was supposed to handle things like that. And I find it strange that everybody's demanding that the president somehow, any president, I don't care if it was Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, or Donald Trump, that any president would have all the answers to be able to address such a multifaceted problem. And since we don't have clear-cut science on the, and we don't. The science is still coming in. The data is still coming in. Right. We don't know what a lot of this stuff means. Something else people say, listen to the science. Mm-hmm. we got to listen to the science, guys. Well, I'm listening to the science. Mm-hmm. It's telling me 10 different right. things, as science does in the early stages of an investigation into an issue. But, but here's the problem that I had. Now, the part I agree with you is that COVID is not Trump's fault. It's not my issue. I will never put that on him. I think that that was very stupid. Um, and my issue was his reaction as a leader, right? Right. He politicized this because it was an election year. I really, truly believe in my heart he would have handled this different if he wasn't in an election year. Interesting. That's my issue. He politicized this, and Trump, as the leader, yes, he is limited. I agree with you on that. I'm very practical on that, but people listen to him. Sure. He downplayed it, he mocked it, he laughed at it, and so did his followers. And if you look, and there were studies, there's plenty of them that showed where there was massive Trump support, the numbers for COVID were almost doubled. Yeah, yes. Because they followed his lead. Sure. So when he spits out these conspiracy theories as the president of the United States, it delegitimizes this. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you on COVID in a sense, look, There's something going on. Is it as serious? I don't know. What are the scientists telling us? I don't know, because Fauci changes his mind every two minutes, right? right? right. But don't fire Fauci. 
because he doesn't agree with you sure. and you told Fauci don't say this and he said sure. this. Let the man be objective. Let the public decide if they believe Fauci or not. My issue is how he handled it because of an election. I don't for one and calling it uh Kung or what was it uh what was it? The Kung Flu. The Kung Flu. <laughs> <laughs> As creative and as funny as that was. It is funny, okay? It's that, funny. The president of the United States cannot call it the conflict. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and China already hates us. China's already kind of, you know, screwing with us. And you already had a trade war with them. And I know, again, you politicized it. You called it the Kung Flu because you had a trade war with China. Okay? Secondly, when people, especially Trump supporters, and this applies to a lot of people and, and, and every president, tell me, Economy is great. The Dow is up 4,000 points. That went up 5%. Look, bro, I'm sorry, with all due respect, those numbers never affect Main Street. Sure. You are not rich enough to sit there and have be ecstatic about a 4% increase because you don't own millions of dollars of stocks or the Dow and well, all that. Those numbers are bullshit. To your point, Wall Street just hit record numbers the other day. And uh, 30% of the population is on the verge of being evicted. You see my so, point? Yeah, you can, you Those can't have greater are dissonance. bullshit, yeah, dude. I'm, I hate I, I hearing that. I agree with you. When somebody tells me, well, the stock market's doing great, therefore the economy's doing great, I have to, I mean, at least to be generous, say, I think you need to look at other metrics. Yes. Right. Okay, right. now you want to go to unemployment to be numbers generous. And, right. and all of that, whatever. But I, those numbers can be skewed. So, again, he was more worried about the economy's numbers, not because he's worried about the well-being of the American public. <clears throat> he was banking on his re-election to use those economic bullshit numbers that I think they're BS numbers, but people buy into them, especially the folks in Iowa and Kansas and, and Mississippi. And even though Mississippi is the poorest country in the goddamn country, it's Trump country. And, and they believe that a 4% increase in the Dow is going to really affect their bottom line, which is the dumbest thing ever to me. But, he was going to bank on those numbers for his reelection. And instead of being a leader and saying, look, folks, we really don't know what's going on. I have certain questions about this, but I'm going to tap into the top people in this country because we are the United States of America. We should have some of the top people. And I'm going to corral the top people and I'm going to sit them down and I'm going to be the tough guy. And I'm going to say, figure this shit out. That's what I wanted Trump the hardcore machismo guy, to do. I wanted him to corral the best of the best. I didn't want you to spew conspiracy theories because I didn't trust the left either because I knew they had an election coming up sure, as well. absolutely, and they politicized it as well, absolutely. Crazy. They used it to their advantage, and they won off of it, which we will talk about um, absolutely let, later. Let, let me say this, and then I want to ask you something. Um, here's the thing about Donald Trump. He lacks the maturity to be a complex thinker, okay? I think he's effective at being manipulative. I think he's effective at tapping into people's mm -hmm. base instincts. He's really good at it. I think he's an effective communicator. I've said that before. Mm -hmm. But he lacks the maturity of complex thoughts. He's an immature man, right? So when Nancy Pelosi attacked him in one direction and said, you know, uh, you're being racist and all this stuff and all that stuff, and then when they went in another direction and said, well, we need to close the country down. I mean, the Democrats like kind of did a really quick swing on that. Trump swung right with them, right? He's a reactionary. I agree. So if you're his opponent and you say one thing, he's going to say the opposite. And in a way, 
he can almost get painted into a corner because he lacks a certain flexibility, because he lacks a certain maturity of thinking, right? But I don't think he's a dumb guy, though. No, no, no. I'm not saying he's a dumb guy. I don't think And in some ways, maybe that simplicity has enabled him. Yeah. Okay? Because a lot of people, being very complex, possessing nuanced thoughts, you can almost get paralyzed in your actions. Mm-hmm. It be- becomes difficult to take clear, decisive actions because you're looking at it from so many different angles. So hopefully, you can achieve a healthy balance of decisiveness but complexity. But yeah, I agree. I, I don't think he's a dumb guy, but he's not a complex man. But you know, what kills me about, uh, about that is what I think Trump's greatest assets is he knows how to read the tea leaves. That's how he won, right? He read America and he said, they want this machismo guy. And he was right. He won the yeah. election off yeah, of yeah. that. Right? right. I was shocked that he didn't read that. If I had a sophisticated response to this, I really think he would have won a lot of independence over. And here's why. And I'm going might get in trouble for this, but I don't really don't care. I think a lot of white independents didn't care about his racial undertones. They didn't care about any of that stuff. But now you screwed with our money. Mm-hmm. Now you screwed with me being able to go meet Johnny and Billy for beers all the time. Now you screwed with my daily life. Okay. Now I'm mad at you. Not anything else that he did. None of the other things bothered them, but the independence, in my opinion, if he would have had a strong, sophisticated response, not saying cure it, not saying get a vaccine, but don't spew conspiracy theories, have a, a, a legitimate response, act as an adult. I think he would have blew out Biden, blew him out, in my opinion. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of analysts who, uh, who would say that if COVID didn't happen, Trump would have easily won. I think he could have won even with COVID if he would have responded as a respectable adult. I got to ask, now that you said, what would that response have entailed? As the president, your language matters. Your attitude matters. Fair enough. Don't throw doubt that this even exists. Yeah. Okay, because it does exist. Now, what's the magnitude of it? I don't know. Okay. Um, How do we attack this? I don't know. But I'd rather have seen you get on the phone with world leaders and say, hey, guys, you know, what are we going to do about this? Um, you know, so, again, I, I, I think it's completely unfair to blame him for it, but I think it's completely fair to blame his response. And I truly believe if it was not an election year, I think he would have handled COVID so much better. But it was an election year. He started to, to shake the economic numbers were going down, which was going to be the base of his reelection. And I think he thought about himself before the safety and well-being of the country. And I think a lot of independents like myself looked at that and said, hold up, guy, you know, can we trust you to get us out of this? And I think that really, you know, steered people um, the other way. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on Trump and we, we, we will eventually get to the election. Well, I want to ask, I want to ask you sure. something. Okay. So, when it comes to, it's entertaining to discuss, was it his fault? Right. Could he have done more, right? But we, what we're left with, it's neither here nor there. Joe Biden is now the next president, and COVID is going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. So l- let me ask you this. If you had to think of three things, the three most important things, the legacy of COVID, if you will, what would they be? That's going to stick around? Yeah. How, how is our life permanently changed because of COVID? First thing, absolutely sanitation. Oh, thank God. I, 
<laughs> I think we're gonna some pay... nasty people out there. Yeah, and but time you guys clean your ass, <laughs> and they're now a little less nasty. Okay, I think people are gonna wash their hands more. I think um, any public place is gonna have an emphasis, an extra emphasis on sanitation. I don't think these, uh, you know, everywhere you go now, they got the hand sanitizers. Right. I don't think that's going away. And I think those glass barriers at the grocery store, they're not coming down. They're not coming down. Right. I think a lot of those things are here to stay, which, you know, for better or worse, it's not a big detriment to me um, to have to use more hand sanitizer and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, it's not a big deal. But I I think it's a positive that I think we're just going to be more sanitary. And I think there's going to be more kind of FDA regulations on things that come in, imports, exports. Um, I think there's going to be a heightened sense on the borders. And I think um, we're going to be way more reactive and prepared for another potential. uh, Because, you know, from what most of these quote-unquote scientists have said, this ain't going to be the last time that this happens. And I think we just, as a country and as a world, we're so wildly unprepared for this, which boggles my mind that, you know, this uh, pandemics and epidemics are not a new concept, Right. right? And we're supposed to be the most technologically, you know, advanced part in, in the history of man. We have all the tools in the world. And, okay, I get it. We couldn't really predict it. But our reaction as, as a country and as a world was very shitty. I mean, it was terrible. Nobody really has a plan. And nobody still doesn't really know about this, right? right? I go off of the doctors that I know. Okay, that, that was my basis. Um, and the reason I say that is the, the doctors and people in the medical field that I know they weren't, they're not political people. Um, they didn't have an agenda. They were there. They witnessed it. And they're like, look, dude, yeah, it's real. Okay. Yeah. Now, we're not going to say you're going to die. The and every, doc- yeah, every doctor I spoke to, too, and said, take it seriously. Yeah. yeah. Right. To take it seriously, to contain it. Right. And I think that was kind of what people took and, and didn't understand was doctors are, were saying, we're not telling you it's this, it's going to kill the entire world. We're saying just take practical steps so we can start to can, contain this and we can catch our breath and, and you know, uh, settle down. But I think sanitation is one. Uh, the second thing, honestly, is um, probably the one company that's kind of probably their valuation has gone up by a million percent, Zoom. Oh, sure. Of course. Whoever the owner of Zoom has probably bought three yeah. yachts in the last three months. Okay. Like yeah. this, whoever owns Zoom, I mean, is like Donald Duck or uh, what was that uh, cartoon with that keeps jumping in all the, the coins and all of that. I forgot the name of it. But yeah, any of those looty toots. Yes, right. I know. You know, Bugs Bunny. Yes. Women and money. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> Zoom is here to stay, man. It's it's not going anywhere. Sure. I am so Zoomed out. Everything is Zoom. And 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 Zoom has become like Band-Aid. And here's what I mean by that. Band-Aid was just the company name, but they branded it so well right. that we now consider whatever, I don't even know what the, the technical term for it is. Bandage. Yeah, we call it Band-Aids. Yeah, right. <laughs> because they branded right. it so well. Now, there's other companies that do it, but we call it Band-Aids, right? right? Zoom, you know, there's other companies that do it. And I know. It's like Googling. It's Googling, right. right? And that's a compliment to Zoom that they've achieved compliment. that kind of status. Yeah. People don't say, are we going to do a FaceTime? No. Yeah. Are we going to we'll do, do a, a Zoom? Zoom. Yeah. What do you use for Zooming? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, do you yeah. use Google or to Zoom? Like, no, yeah. I use Zoom to Zoom. And um, now I know people are Zoomed out, but I don't think Zoom's going anywhere. So even my office, now we give clients the option. Okay, do you want to do a phone call or do you want to do a Zoom? That's not going to leave my office. Right. It's never going to leave my office. And I think there's so many companies now 
who realize, hold up, I don't need to pay $25,000 in monthly rent to house my employees. Yes. I could pay $14 a month for a Zoom, and we can do everything through Zoom. So now the downtown high-rises are going to get crushed by this because a lot of these big companies are realizing, hold up, dude. I don't need that space. I don't need five floors. This is going to rock the real estate world. Especially downtown real estate. Yeah, it's going to rock. Big cities, I think, are in trouble. Mm -hmm. Cities, New York, Chicago, L.A. Big time. You know? How they respond, how they expand after initial contraction. I mean, it's a, it's a huge conversation, and it's something that intelligent people out there need to keep their eye on because real estate deeply affects finances, mm-hmm. period. But before, uh, well, rather than get into that, I want to ask you something more specifically. So as an attorney, you are practicing the law more over Zoom. You going to court over Zoom? Uh, almost completely over Zoom. Um, and it depends what kind of law you do and what lawyers. You go talk to the criminal defense guys right now, yeah. their heads are exploding. Why? How do I defend my guy's right over a Zoom? <laughs> I got a lawyer friend right now. He texted me the other day and he was complaining. So he commenced and continued his trial because of COVID. And what that means is you started your trial, the judge says to continue it, right? Well, now they just shut down the courts again. He's like, my client's sitting in jail rotting right. for something he's not been yeah. convicted for yet. Right. You're and, telling and, and me the courts are shut down. By the way, you guys, you guys didn't know as an audience, we have a constitutional right to a speedy trial just so you're not Huge. locked up arbitrarily which, over extended periods now. So please continue. Which might end up getting to the Supreme Court because this is a weird situation. Where the courts don't know how to handle it. Now, the, the, the folks like myself and some of the folks that practice civil, we love it. You want me to go all the way to Daly Center, park, Wait in line. Yeah. Go upstairs for a two minutes status, right, right? right? So for lawyers like myself, we're like, I love Zoom. Anything that's not substantive should be done over Zoom. So if I'm getting a status, if I'm getting 45 days for service, or if I'm doing you know, a, a discovery status, I don't need to come in. Now, if I'm going to argue a motion or I'm going to do a trial, I should be in. But if you limit it to only substantive motions and trials... Well, now your courtrooms are not going to be packed. You're going to have more trials much faster. Judges are not going to have to do as much work. Clerks are not going to have to do as It's going to really streamline everything. So I'm hoping, and a lot of lawyers will tell you, we're hoping that this sticks around with the courts. Now, we are in Cook County, okay? Cook County is just still ass backwards. Um, like DuPage is blowing us out of the water. With I've, this. I've heard that. DuPage is... By far blowing yeah, us out, I've heard uh, that. and and some of the other counties. Now, to Cook County's credit, we're probably ten times the size of DuPage. Sure, okay, and but DuPage was already digital five, ten years ago. Yeah, everything was completely digital. Cook County's been trying to merge into being completely digital, uh, but again, you know, we're, we're talking about um, second, third largest county in the country, so there's a big difference between that and DuPage. But how long is it going to take you guys to get your shit together? Right, like you know. Again, you talk to some of these criminal guys. I, I got guys will tell you, I got five different can, uh, phones in my office because I have five different courtrooms. And sometimes I'm waiting four or five hours just to get heard in front of a criminal judge. Yeah. Four or five hours. And, um, you know, it, it, it really come. The criminal world, I think, really got hit by this hard. They cannot do Zoom. Specifically because... People's right to a speedy trial is being delayed and therefore they're wallowing in jail specifically for that reason or because something about criminal law requires more face-to-face interaction. Both. So because people are in jail who have not had their trial and, 
you know, and they're not doing jury trials. Well, you have a constitutional right to a jury trial. Absolutely. Well, if people are too scared to come in and sit down for a jury and you don't have juries, well, you know, how about you designate two or three rooms, okay? Spread out the jurors. Yeah. Keep them six feet apart. Build your little partitions that you did for the judges yeah. and have some goddamn jury trials. At least let the criminal guys have it, right? right. Civil guys, you want to wait on your injury case, you can wait another year, okay? Yeah. Your divorce, right. you can wait another year for a jury right. trial. Right. But when the government's taking your livelihood, you guys need to come up with a plan to effectuate the fact that, you know, effectuate the change of allowing these guys to represent their clients. And, you know, people got to understand, this, and this applies to all lawyers, but specifically for criminal defense, when you're defending someone and you're doing a hearing or you're doing a trial, when you have a, a, a witness on the stand or, or a police officer or whoever it is that's going against your client, the way they move, the way they talk, right. their motions, that matters to jurors. Sure. That matters to lawyers. Absolutely. The strategy. Yeah. You know, there, there's so many psychological, phys uh, physical things that go into a trial. And those small, minuscule things can be the difference between 20 years in jail yeah. or being free. Right. So we cannot allow our system to just completely stop. And come on, we all know it's not like Cook County's taking precautions for COVID and and all of these issues. Cook County can barely house these people, let alone have proper precautions. You talking about Cook County Jail? Cook County Jail. Okay. So if you can't really protect them and you can't house them, you won't give them a trial. You won't give them a hearing. All right. Let me ask you something that's that's um, a little bit more parochial. All right. Yeah, okay. You brought up something that's really interesting to me that. The personal charisma of an attorney face to face with a jury or a judge, okay, the confidence that they exude, that this will have effects. And I believe you a thousand percent. I mean, just you could say the same thing about a public speaker. You could say the same thing about a professor. You could say your ability. I mean, we were talking about even Donald Trump, right. you know, he exudes strength, yes. right? To whose advantage is the current situation? If you look at the current situation, what kind of person is it to their advantage? The state. How? They don't have anybody in jail. They're yeah. not having family yeah. members call them and say, right. why is you know, so-and-so right. still locked up? Right. And you know, most criminal defense guys that I know, they're very passionate about it. Right? Yeah. My client's rights, which is guaranteed by the United States Constitution, these are bedrock principles sure. of our existence in this country. Our country was built on the fact that you cannot take my liberty without giving me my speedy trial rights. And it, just to give you a, a perfect example on this, we were doing, uh, when I was doing criminal defense, we were doing an attempted murder case and we had their star, quote unquote, star witness, which was a security guard at the park. And they were alleging that my guy shot, um, our, our guy shot some girl. When we had the guy there on the stand, he was sweating and he was stumbling, he was mumbling. So we, we asked him to get up to point on something. And as he was getting up, he was so nervous, he stumbled. All right. The jurors saw that. Okay. His credibility shot down. Yeah. I had to do that over Zoom. There's no pressure. He's yeah. not sweating. Yeah. He's not stumbling. He's not mumbling. Yeah. What did that tell the jury? The guy's full of shit. Yeah. And that was their star witness. And guess what? We won the case, right? Yeah. We won the case, in our opinion, because their witness was so bad and it was the human. He answered the questions, right? Sure. But people aren't dumb. 
Jurors are not stupid yeah. people. That's why we have it in our system. Correct. Yeah. Your peers should be able to judge yeah. this. Especially when you put six or 12 of them together. Right. 100%. And you got different views. But they saw when he got up and he he was sweating so much that he stumbled on his own. He didn't trip over anything. Mm-hmm. He was so nervous and so kind of, you can tell the guy's lying. Because when someone's lying, or take that back, when someone's not lying, they have confidence. Sure. They answer properly. They answer yeah. clearly. They're not sweating. But these minor things, and guess what we used in our closing statement? Hey, guys, you saw this liar. Yeah. <laughs> you know a liar when you see one. Yeah. He's lying out of his ass, okay? And we won the case. And we strongly believe if we didn't have those small human um, touches that, you know, um, we might not have won the case. And this guy would be spending 25 years in jail for something he didn't do. Last thing I want to ask you about this. Is this going to cause a basis for appeal? So that's the the big conversation right now. I, I think there is going to eventually be lawyers who take this up on appeal and and i'm hoping and praying that the supremes do listen to it but it's such an extenuating circumstance the question now becomes not only to the legal world but to the country at what point if any can we circumvent the constitution and it's a it's it's not a clear-cut answer right because like we said about trump he didn't start this he didn't know it was coming right we're we're reactionary so it should get to the Supremes, and we're all waiting to see kind of what they're going to do. Uh, but um, I'll let you know in about three years. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, our system's slow. It's, it's sure. going to take a long sure. time sure. to get there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we can go all day in the legal world. I can go on kind of my uh, soapbox on it. But COVID has, has really changed us uh, for a lot of different things. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of COVID out um, on these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to do a second part, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. We still, but, we, we've only covered about one half of 2020, <laughs> and this is the 2020 review. So, And I don't think we, we're still scratching the surface, but I also want to keep it a little lighthearted. I don't want to keep everything too serious. So we are going to get to part two, and we're going to talk about a story we both find absolutely hilarious, Mr. Yeah. Jeffrey Tubin. Jeffrey Tubin. If you don't know about Jeffrey Tubin's story, uh, listen to us on the next one because this is something we really had a really big laugh about. Um, so we want to kind of get some lighthearted stuff. We're going to talk about my guy Snoop Dogg being a commentator. Uh, please sign the man. Let him do Monday Night Football. <laughs> I will pay pay-per-view to, to see that. So we're going to talk about Snoop. We're going to talk about Tyson. But we're also going to get back into some serious stuff, uh, Black Lives Matter, election, and a few other topics. So this was part one of our annual 2020 review. Check us out on part two, and we'll keep the discussion going.